what's up this is episode 17 of me and my more successful friends i'm your host Lori marie on this episode i go to silver lake uh just up the street <laughs> from my current residence where i normally host my podcast and i hang out with my good friend jonathan sava he's kind of a newer friend that i've made over the last um year year and a half he's a producer he's worked with rob zombie uh, he worked on the jane silent bob reboot He's done a lot of cool stuff. We talk a lot about his career coming from uh, Detroit to LA. And then just like everyday stuff like Instagram and um, we eat Thai food. We have a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Are you ready? We're just going to do a test. Just practice. This is practice because I haven't done this for like three months. Um, so I feel also nervous that you're going to judge my intro. So we're going to... I'm way too focused on, on performance <laughs> to be judging you. <laughs> we're going to practice my intro. I, d- I recorded one the other day. I did a little trailer. And Wait, are you recording this now? Mm-hmm. Because okay, we're cool. practicing. Got it. This is, pra- this is only practice. But what practice. if it's fantastic? What does it say? Then it'll, it's just going to stay because I always love um, when people hit play on the episode and it's just banter straight out the gate. Like I think that, that is... That sounds riveting. Yeah, it's the most interesting um, so I usually start with an intro. I have a recorded one, but we'll we'll do an intro up top just in case. Okay. Because I know you're like really particular about um, how this is gonna go. I think that sets up something that's misleading. <laughs> Not particular about how it's gonna go. Maybe concerned. <laughs> so this is. <laughs> I don't want to knock over your laptop. I don't want you to knock over my laptop. I'm gonna give it to you. Okay. You like really grabbed that for me. Opposed to what? It was just really a really authoritative like grab. Like I was passing it off and you just like, just, yeah. My paternal instinct (laughs) to grab. You were like, oh my God, don't, don't drop it. Do you trust me though? Not really. No? Do I trust you blankly? (laughs) Yeah. Broadly? Yeah. If you were like, hey, I need someone to um, house it. Would I be the first person you would think of? Zero. You would be not even on really? the Really? Really? Would never. <laughs> Why? I don't really know you. But like, just from what you know of me, you don't think You're I would be. You're saying you fit the profile of someone I would allow to <laughs> yeah. house it? Yeah. Like, would you be like, yeah, if I knew that girl Lori a little bit more. And also, you're supposed to know me really well for the podcast. Those are the rules. So. I know you're adding a hypothetical. Yeah. Which is, if I knew you better, then better. presumably I would have. I would have all the necessary information I needed to make a decision. What I know of you now, mm-hmm. I would, in a theoretical world, allow you to house it, yes. Okay. But you wouldn't be on the list of people I thought of. First. Not even a thousandth. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, I don't know you that well. I'm either. extremely competitive, and I like seek validation from every person that I meet. So now I'm going to spend the rest of my days trying to figure out how to get to at least be like... 889 or something. Uh, well, I um. was using hyperbole. I don't know a thousand people. I feel like you do. But if I if someone asked me to write a list uh-huh. of people <laughs> who I would have house it, you wouldn't appear on the list. Not even top not even top 10. You're not understanding. You wouldn't even be on the paper. <laughs> <laughs> you, you wouldn't be in the brain. You uh, would but your name would not come up. What if I have a long history of being a professional house sitter? But now you're adding in new information, <laughs> which I think was one false, which is a negative. <laughs> Uh, providing false information on your application, I don't think that that's good. This is, you're becoming less and less likely. Noted. Welcome to the Me and My More Successful Friends podcast. I'm your host, Lori Marie. 
Today I come to you from Silver Lake, hanging out at a really plush estate. Um, I was actually forced to come here, so but it's fine. I decided now I like to travel. My most favorite episode that I've done so far on the podcast, I did it from a glass box, and so now I think that my theme of this whole thing is going to be just um, traveling wherever I can if that means that's the only way that the person will do the podcast with me which kind of fits to also the uh, title me and my more successful friends because if you think about it and you imagine like people that are more successful than me they probably don't really have time to hang out with me so I have to do whatever I can to um, make this happen so today we're hanging out with uh, my longtime friend Jonathan Saba I should add that this was your <laughs> preference to come here. <laughs> I did not make you come. <laughs> I know. He didn't make me come. It was my preference. I actually um, prefer to travel. I don't really like people in my space. It's fine. Me either. Yeah. I know. We talked about this off off air, so to speak, um, that we you like to be at your house because it's more comfortable for you. And I like to go to other people's houses because then I can leave. So I like... You can leave anytime you want. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll leave in like about 58 minutes because that's when we'll officially be done. That's optimistic because you said it's typically about 45. Well, no. I said if it's not a good episode, it'll end at 45. So you're optimistic. You think this will be good. Yeah, I think we should go to at least 58 to 60 minutes. Great. We also did a test earlier. Which so I'm hoping makes the final cut. I think it'll make the final cut. I think it was a good test. I think that... We covered a lot of ground. We did. We talked about how assertive you are, um, and w just by me handing off a computer, <laughs> he grabbed it out of my hands. You guys, he like just with one arm, just one fell swoop. It was like that doesn't. I, I don't think sounds impressive. Grabbing a computer out of one's hands doesn't seem to be otherworldly strength. Not impressive, but if if we were filming this and people saw the way at which you did it, it was very assertive. You know, one of my. One of the things I like the least is when people see me asserting any type of force. <laughs> Specifically I because I think my face contorts in a weird way. You think that you uh, come off forceful? No, I just don't want to be observed while my face is being contorted and I'm, you know, having, you know, extreme effort. So <laughs> I'm actually feeling insecure now. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was giving you a compliment. Oh, really? So here, let's go over some of your credits. So Jonathan saw it. What's your, what's your favorite credit? that I'm allowed to mention up top. Would you say it's the fact that you are a producer? Is that like number one? <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of producer credits, you mm -hmm. know, a producer credit's an interesting thing because it, it's a pretty diverse credit, meaning some people can have a producer credit and they're actually doing sort of physical or logistical production. Uh, myself and uh, the other people at my company, when we take credits, we take executive producer credits, which essentially means we either cause to or finance the movie or have something to do with the financing mm -hmm. um and we're more sort of macro producers so even though i do i'm i'm on set for most of the movies i have an executive producer credit for i don't really have a function while i'm there i'm just sort of in the way you're uh, just the money i wouldn't say just the money <laughs> i would say we have a hand in putting together the sort of ma macro aspects of the film so you know choosing the script the director the marquee talent the cast mm -hmm. in the movie and then we see that movie through production all the way through distribution uh, and the, the entire life cycle of the film, which, you know, could be 30 years in uh. terms of its various phases of distribution and 
Like if someone were to want to remake it. That would be a that would be a specific um, negotiated deal point. So who has derivative and subsequent rights? So we're we're sort of a distribution entity slash, you know, not film financing entity because we're not cash flowing production, but we're causing financing on movies and then sort of overseeing that production and then carrying the movies through distribution through our uh, studio distribution partners. So let's circle back. So okay. So let's set this up. So, so my best, my my favorite credit is definitely uh, himself, Lori <laughs> <Lori> Marie, <laughs> my equally successful friends podcast, which <laughs> this is a special edition of. Oh, so right, we're just talking to you as just yourself, and you're my friend. Oh, correct. And yeah. you work in the film industry. Yes. Um, okay, so with I an emphasis on industry, I industry. work on the industry side of it. On the industry side, you're not an actor. I'm not an actor. You've never been an actor. There was a, I had a, a sort of dalliance in college with acting. but Really? Yeah. Like you went on auditions? I was in some plays. Mm. And I did co-host a TV show on Channel 4 in England. But That's really, that's, okay, way to like bury the lead. That's actually really cool. That's the lead? That I don't know, I, th I think that's more interesting. It was a complete commercial and creative disaster. And it was <laughs> among the most embarrassing things I've participated in my life. Really? Yeah, really. It was it was so incredibly embarrassing, and the best decision I've ever made in my life was to use an alias, uh -huh. and so it's almost completely undiscoverable. So, and you w had different hair back then. I did have different hair back then. It's not. Uh, it wasn't curly. Well, it was still curly, but it was significantly longer. Longer, and did you dye it? No, I did not dye. I was no. twenty. I was nineteen. People. I didn't I didn't, have a, I didn't have a disguise. I just <laughs> used a different name. I know, but you and I are the same age. So when, when we were 19 or 20, that was like around 2004, How 2005. Old are we? 20, because it's like dog years, but Hollywood years. We have to subtract. <laughs> oh, seven. in Hollywood years, I'm 25. 25. I think. Me too. I think that's, that's a little more than I'm seven. I'm 34. I think you're younger than me. Well, I just turned 34. Okay, so you're the same age. Yeah, but my birthday's in September. Mine's in August. Mm. That's not just turned. It's a quarter of a year ago. No, but like, it's only been a couple months. You just turned 34 and a quarter. <laughs> Fine, fair. My half birthday, I think, is like March 5th or Actually, something. 34 and a third. Third, okay. I was never a numbers person. Which What date is it? September 5th. Capricorn. No. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> For my sign? Yeah. Virgo. Oh, Virgo. Capricorn's coming up. Really? I just yeah. picked... Yeah, you one. just picked. Although we have the same sign, I guess. You're August what? Twenty fifth. Oh right. Oh wow. That's why we get along. Virgos, if astrology was real, they get along. It's true what they say. Opposites don't attract, and people who are exactly the same cosmologically get along. Mm hmm. We make the best of friends, but we're siblings. I'm definitely. I'm actually very close to my siblings. Are they all Virgos? I have no. No, one's on Halloween. Okay. One's November sixteenth. That's a Scorpio. Scorpios. They're both Scorpios. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. I think that says more about my parents. They have sex during the winter. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> but that's what you Did I just for. break the rules? No. Oh, that no talking about anything salacious or yeah. explicit? Well, I mean, you I, can. I was just talking about biology and just how things work. I mean, if we were going biologically, that's just... You know, uh, this is not how you pitch this podcast. <laughs> It really isn't, but it's fine. So we're going to circle back. So, all right. So that's 
we're going to talk about you as like a producer, but um, I want to go back to how we met. And we're I would like to do that too. How did we meet? So, this is a little controversial. It is because typically the people that are on my podcast, I have to have some type of like long standing relationship with them because that's what makes the conversation better. And also, that's what constitutes you as a friend. And at this point, since you won't even put me on a list to house it for you, I guess I'm Wait, not. That was not, that was in the preamble. <laughs> it didn't make it today. So, no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> but it is going to make it. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's Do you want to do a quick recap just so they know in yes. case it doesn't? Yes. Okay, so in case I don't add in our test up top, which we decided that we really like and we're going to possibly keep in the podcast, earlier I was asking Jonathan um, how trustworthy he thought I was, and at first he said not. No, wait, let's, let's back up. <laughs> okay, you recount it. And by the way, I do really appreciate sort of lingo. Like I like you say, we did the test up top. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's what people say, huh? It is, yeah. That's, um, that's I feel like you're doing neuro-linguistic programming. Have you heard of this? Oh, I think I heard of this over dinner earlier. Oh, you did, yeah. Yeah, that's I think what I you think were telling doing. me at dinner. A top. That's, uh, yeah. that's something specifically. Oh, right. Wow. See, I'm, I just, maybe I was just born to just do that. I think you exude a certain level of, I'll call it charm. Mm. I think it might. you might not even be aware of it. Oh, thank you. That's a really nice compliment. Or maybe it's so refined that you are aware of it, but you do it in a way that appears as if. It's just effortless. Effortless. Instinctual. Maybe I'm a robot. That's my next question. That's a whole other conversation about simulations. But so what happened? So I asked you if you thought I was trustworthy. You said, would you, (laughs) would I be the, this is how you exactly (laughs) framed the question. You said, out of nowhere, actually. (laughs) You looked around. And you said, would I be the first person you would put on a list to watch your house if you left for an extended period of time? Something to that effect. Yes. And my response was no. You wouldn't even appear on the list. <laughs> not only would you know. <laughs> Which not I be thought was so rude. <laughs> but, but again, in this sort of hypothetical you've set up. Yes. Someone has asked me to make a list of mm-hmm. people in my life currently yes. who I would want or ask to watch my house. You would not appear on that list. But why? I mean, there's any number of reasons, but I think the better question is why do, why <laughs> do you think, not just why do you think you would appear, which is, we could debate that, but you actually feel you ought to, put to, <laughs> to appear. And there's a certain level of entitlement there that I can't really figure out. <laughs> I hold myself to a certain standard. Yeah. Where I think that's that. That's one way of saying people it. I would argue that's a very euphemistic way of saying it. Maybe. People, I feel like people instantly get the vibe from me that I'm extremely trustworthy. That's definitely not the vibe I got from you. Really? Yeah. What was it the vibe? It took me a long time to trust you. Re- I know. This has been in the making for a year. Well, because can I tell you one of the first things you said to me on Instagram <laughs> ever <laughs> was, hey, I'm not stalking you, but I'm staring at you right now. <laughs> I think I'm in your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And I... D- and I didn't know you. I knew that we had been talking on Instagram. Yeah, that's. I forgot that I said that. I thought it was hilarious. And then, (laughs) after that, and I think I kind of like did whatever the digital equivalent of a like an uncomfortable nervous laugh was. I Mm. was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I see you too. Which I didn't. I just started running. (laughs) I was driving by. I remember you. Even worse. So you DM'd (laughs) while you were driving. No, I was at a stoplight. I'm gonna tell you an insane story right now. Okay. It. You can edit this if it's uh, not if it's boring. It's fine. I was driving to a meeting the other morning, 
and this this will play into the theme because I was in the midst of working. Mm-hmm. I was driving to a studio at a meeting. What studio? Lionsgate. We just got it. We have to add that in there. Got it. Then I can hashtag it later. I would say just add a little super at the bottom, but this is. I know. Eventually, eventually we'll um, up the budget and film this. Cool. Because the budget here was Thai food dinner, so. It was, and I didn't even pay for it, so. You didn't. Oh, are you gonna? I thought you were gonna. I thought I'm gonna just Venmo request. Okay, cool. No, of course it's on me. But just because you lost your gallbladder. Well, and no, I knew you couldn't eat that no, much. I'm about to lose it. Wait, so you lied to me. That's why I bought you the food. No, I said I'm going to lose it. Remember, I said the surgery is going to happen later. I think uh, we can we can cross check. <laughs> Did you record that? <laughs> You've been recording this whole time. Okay, so anyway, I'm driving to the studio. I'm, I'm early. Mm-hmm. C- driving cross town. Lionsgate, Century City. That's where my office is. I was. Uh, this is in Santa Monica. I was coming from Silver Lake. It's like eight a.m., seven a.m. So listening to a podcast that I was enjoying. And I saw a light turn yellow, and it's one of those marginal decisions. I probably should have went, but I, and usually 99 out of 100 times I would go through the yellow light. But I opted to stop. Mm-hmm. Brought myself to a casual stop. And I look in my rearview mirror, and a car's barreling down on me. Swerves out of the way, yells at me, honks, and goes to the red light. Now, I don't know if you've driven in Santa Monica, but there's like trains and the crosswalks are all diagonal. It's not a normal city. I think the, the urban planners did a very horrible job specifically for drivers from out of yeah. town. So I'm sitting at the light. It's very loud. It's beeping. I hear this train in the background. I hear people shouting. I look at the light, still red. I go back to my phone. I'm checking my emails. And now this is sort of like very cacophonous, and it's crescendoing, and people are yelling, and the horn's really loud. And I look up, and I look to my left, and I'm completely parked on the train tracks. And I look to my right, and the train is coming down the tracks. No way. I look up. Everybody's screaming at me, waving their hands for me to move. I throw it in reverse. I hit the gate. I can't go. I had to turn up the tracks, and I don't know what the right word is, but I think it's fishtail. Fishtail around the gate and proceed into the oncoming traffic. And you did that? Like you were James Bond? No, it was like a complete idiot. James Bond is very smooth (laughs) and doesn't find himself in those situations. I was like a person who wasn't paying attention, who put myself and other people in danger. It was a horrible decision. What were you doing? Were you Instagramming? No. Yeah, it was <laughs> you were Instagramming me. You're like, hey, I see you. You're in your car. What, what are you listening to? <laughs> no, I was I was just driving, and I was stopped, so I checked my email. Oh, my God. And now you're here. And now I'm here. So you made it. Do you think um, James Bond had to do expense reports? <laughs> I think that he had to turn in receipts for sure. Isn't that a weird thing to think about? I've never heard him ask for a receipt. But he had to. There was a budget. It's not like it's yeah. Unusual. No. Yeah. I'm sure he. I'm sure he had to hand them in. But he wasn't the one that like wrote on them what they were and and taped them to a piece of paper and turned them in. The person who in my office handles my expense reports gets really upset with me because I don't write as many dinners as I. You have to write w- who the dinners are with because of the IRS. They need to know how many people were there. I know, but you know, it's in my calendar, so. I know, but it has to be written on the receipt. The IRS doesn't care. Is that true? I know a lot about expense reports. Yeah, well we have a corresponding Excel sheet that you write. A this is going to take a while. <laughs> okay, Talk well more into the mic. Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> now your whole story about um, being James Bond might not have been picked up. Oh, that's okay. But we'll see. Um, you can subtitle it. We can. Um, but we can't. <laughs> I'll have to just like put a photo up of you, and that's how we'll up the budget. We didn't agree to photos. We did it. This is true. 
I didn't even not you didn't even sign my NDA yet. Do you have an NDA? I want you to sign my NDA. <laughs> what what am I gonna? I want Final Cut. Final Cut. Okay. I want to be able to listen to it and say no way that's going live. Then what? Then I just spent a whole year for nothing chasing you around town. <laughs> I like that. In, <laughs> In your mind, in the mind of this podcast, <laughs> you spent a year tracking <laughs> me down because clearly I'm in such high demand for podcasts. <laughs> Apparently so. Your assistant changed the meeting like six times. She did? Yes. Oh. Because my schedule is very demanding. So it was really hard to even go to that breakfast that we had the week of Thanksgiving before I died and had the flu. Wow. I think there's a running theme that every time I hang out with you now, like something is happening. Can I tell you something? I thought about that when you said you were going to come to my house. Really? Because you have been really sick every time I've been around you. I know, but I'm not like sick sick. I just spent the night in the hospital, got an IV. And are removing a vital organ from your body. See, when I say I wasn't <laughs> sick sick, it means like I just wasn't feeling well. <laughs> okay, like but they... I'm not, I'm not sick sick. I'm just getting a lobotomy. They wanted to remove the organ and it's not vital. That's why they can remove it. Because what does the gallbladder do? Have you researched this? It supports this? your liver, and it lives behind your liver. It's like right here, underneath your rib cage. For the folks at home, she's pointing to her liver. I'm pointing to my liver, you guys. And um, it clears out all the bile. So That sounds pretty vital. Yeah, so if you're – but no, but you actually don't need it. So not having it would help because your liver is still self-sustaining. It's kind of like an appendix. Like you don't really need I it. I lost my appendix. I told you that. Yeah, you told me. I asked. I didn't ask you to see it, but where? Let me see the scar. <laughs> Did I just violate the, the so many the NDA rules? Well, the weirder thing about it is just how you were looking at me when you said <laughs> that, and in the progression of sentences, you said I didn't ask to see it, and then you like shot me a really weird look, and then you say, "Let me see it. Where's the scar?" It's like you don't believe me. I don't think I do. It's hideous. I just remember going under. You'll have this experience, mm -hmm. and the lady said to me. You know, you're going you're going to say things that from your subconscious. And I just remember that stuck with me. And then they put the mask over so me. Scary. And I swear when I woke up, every nurse was looking at me strangely. Because <laughs> you feel like you said. I have no idea what I said. Did you sexually harass all of them? Absolutely not. I do not <laughs> think I sexually harassed any of them. Well, I guess we should backtrack. So for people that aren't understanding, um, I had some stomach and lower back pain that progressed over time over the course of a few days. And went to the hospital, and it was a very <sighs> crazy, like, 12 hours of my life because they did every test known to man. And then I come to find out that the issue I thought I had was nothing of the sort. Not what did you think you had? I thought I had a cyst. I thought I had a cyst that had um, ruptured because from my experience of things that I've read and, and how to keep track of that as a woman, <laughs> um, my symptoms were, were that of what a ruptured cyst would feel like. And it turned out that I just have a ton of gallstones. <laughs> and is that a bigger deal than a cyst? Or no, a cyst is more um, life-threatening in a short amount of time, and gallstones over time can become dangerous. So how are you feeling about it? Were you psyched or were you bummed? Well, the doctor, her bedside manner was very... Um, it was like a movie because she was like... Yeah, so, like, you don't have a cyst. We didn't, like, see any cancer. Everything looked good. But you have gallstones, and you have to get your gallbladder taken out. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, wait, hold on. <laughs> like, she said it so fast, just like, yeah, it's not a big deal. And she's like, also, you might have, like, thrown your lower back out. Because that was why my lower back was hurting. The abdomen pain was from the gallstones, and my lower back, from everything that I read, was 
why I thought the cysts um, ruptured. So I had like two things that were not related to each other at all, but just the combined pain obscured the symptoms. And yes, made you feel like and so else. when you're looking on WebMD, which they every doctor and every person says never to ever do because it's just gonna say death <laughs> every time. Um, I've never had that that spit out a prognosis death. Oh, every time I go on WebMD, it's like, yeah, you're dying. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> I would never go on WebMD. I know. Um, and it also sounds pretty inaccurate because as far as I can tell. Well, yeah, I think I'm fine. She was even like, we could take it out today. And I was like, I have to get on an airplane. I have like some shows. I'm like, can how long can this wait? She was like, oh, she's like, as long as you just monitor it, you have like a couple months. Yeah, that's weird because WebMD, you would think, and I have no idea, but this is just a for-profit website, right? That's putting up information but is it vetted are these real doctors i think it's a dot org but i think it's also an open forum so yeah it's not something you can get general information but do they sell advertising on the website i'm sure they do because then you would think they'd want to give people information that makes them feel better not worse yeah i don't know the internet in general i mean you can google anything and get the answer you're looking for right and it's probably not always the correct answer, but like if you're seeking a particular type of answer, you can find. You're that. saying there's a certain sort of bias that we have, that we a confirmation bias. I think just in our own psych psyches, we can go on the internet and say, "I want to Google this one thing because I think it's this," and somewhere along the lines, you'll find someone else that thought that as well, and that information got put out there. Is this true? I want to. This is a little bit of a tangent, but can I say something and my phone tracks it and I'm serviced ads? Yes. That's true. Yeah. For sure. Yes. Because it feels conspiratorial, but you're saying it's true. A hundred percent when the internet was invented by Al Gore, and I feel like we talked about this at our pre-podcast breakfast. We did? We did. Um, yeah, I think that was someone else. They gave us tracking devices, and they were like, here's all this access to all these things, but we're also going to monitor everything that you do. W to what end? What do you think the end goal is? Um... I don't know. I think it, I think originally the idea of the internet was when communism was first coming about, like in Hollywood. And I'm just talking out of my ass. <laughs> but I, I, I would I'm be. A, would I, I be a great scriptwriter? Like I can just like come up with these ideas. I can see the pitch meeting now. Okay, yeah. it's roughly when communism was coming about. <laughs> yeah. The internet. <laughs> okay, so we went on a hundred tangents. So how did I meet Jonathan Saba? Okay. Stalking. So first I stalked him on the internet. There's no other way. There's no first. No, that's that's not, how you met me. That's not really what happened. Do you really want to know my... Okay, this is what really happened. One day, I was on Instagram, and it was... I want to say it was it was probably before the podcast came about. So I've always had the idea for this concept, but it was supposed to be a show. The show didn't happen. And then I was going to turn it into a podcast. But I think before the podcast, I was on the internet... Probably in 2018, maybe. Do you think it was? I think it was over that a year a ago. Year. I think, but I we're going into 2020. I think at least 2018. Yeah. I think if I went in my DMs, I could find the first. Well, you'd have to go back pretty far because you definitely <laughs> sent me a lot of unanswered <laughs> DMs. To, to they were always unanswered. <laughs> yeah, again, I told you it was like the digital equivalent of an uncomfortable laugh. It was just more always like I, I don't check my DMs either. Right, thank you. That and I'm in better. Obviously. And also, I wasn't always saying stuff. I would just like click the like 100 button or like the hard eyes. You did do that like sort of pre-made. Yeah. Um, um, what is the emoji Emoticon response? response? Emoticon response, yeah. Emoticonical response. Yeah, because I was just planting the seed. 
what was the seed that you will one day have a podcast and when that <laughs> podcast happens i will be marginally more successful by some <laughs> made-up criteria than you sure and then no. we can justify this wonderful conversation i don't remember why i initially messaged you i think i saw you on our mutual friends i don't know when the follow page still existed i think the what page? The follows page on Instagram. Oh, I use that excuse all the time. Oh, yeah, you just showed show up in the follows page. No, no, no. I think a mutual friend liked something, and then I clicked on it, and then I liked what you wrote on the picture. You wrote, like, some long thing, and I thought it was funny, and I commented on it because I don't give a fuck. And Very then I added, <laughs> I like added you as a friend. But I was private, so this is this story's already not checking out. Oh wait, I think I added you as a friend first. I don't know. No, I don't think you were private. I've always been private. I don't think that's true. Cause how did I see the picture? You must have followed me. I saw that we had mutual friends. I figured we met. Okay, so maybe that's how I found you then. I don't know. I've been in the hospital, so my brain is kind of fuzzy. So the moral of the story is we're not actually friends. (laughs) We don't really (laughs) know each other. And I'm not that successful. No, we are friends. We are friends. Because now we have a rapport. That's true. You invited me to a premiere. It's true. You did come to the Jay and Silent Bob reboot premiere. I did. And I brought a friend. That's my, that and Rob Zombie's movie Three from Hell, my two favorite credits. Uh, From an executive producer standpoint, those are my two favorite credits. That was a 30-minute answer to your question. Those are my two favorite credits. That's perfect. But uh, but also, I love every movie I've ever worked on, and for th- their own reasons. But those two, I have relationships with filmmakers, and they hold special significance to me. And specifically, Jay and Silent Bob, when I was in high school, I was in a band with my best friends at the time. Mm-hmm. We made one music video, and we found Brian O'Halloran, who was the star of Clerks, because we were so obsessed with Kevin Smith and flew him to Detroit to be the star of our high school music video alongside my parents and my uncle and aunt and anyone we could. Where'd you get the money? It was $500. He only required $500? No, he, we flew him. Oh. And then he just loved he. So we were signed, and the people who produced oh. our album uh, was the singer and drummer, the singer and the songwriter for the band Sponge. And it just so happened that Sponge did songs for Chasing Amy and Mallrats. And so it was sort of all in the View Askew universe. Mm-hmm. And we were just really obsessed with Kevin Smith movies. So we make this music video. This was 15 years ago. And when I first met Kevin, I told him that story. It was like sort of Jane Silent Bob reboot is a culmination of all his films. It's sort of the end game of the Kevin Smith Viosku universe. uh, Matt Damon's in it in a dog Mike's Jensen story. And Ben Affleck gives an update on Chasing Amy. And it's a direct reboot of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And it's the intersection of all of his movies as all of his movies are in the VSQ universe. And so it was in a very small way, uh, sort of a collision of all these things from my universe. And then to be just a very small part of the VSQ universe was a really special thing for me. No, I, th- I think that's really cool that sort of your career prior to this like everything all like yeah it came full circle because it's interesting that you have like a musical background but then you ended up now you help people make their like i was gonna say something really cheesy you know make their dreams come true Uh. well kevin made my dream come true. yeah and actually it's more that way you know i've been fortunate that i've you know usually get to work with pretty established filmmakers i've also worked with really young filmmakers which is a a, you know rewarding in a very different way but it's the 
I will add to the cheesiness. It mm-hmm. is the other way around, and I mean this with all sincerity. It is they're making my dreams come true. I mean, Devil's Rejects was one of my favorite movies ever, and I remember going to one of my first jobs in film after I left the sort of TV show world was working at a very small level at a very small company sort of developing and distributing horror movies. And so in 2005, when Devil's Rejects came out, I was obsessed. It reminded me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It felt like a 70s exploitation movie. And I was traveling the circuit of small horror movie conventions. You're obsessed with horror movies. No, I was just doing it professionally. And so I I was immersing myself in that culture. And they also were good promotional outlets for the film. Because oftentimes these movies would cast people who became famous or had a sort of following in the genre community. And so when I was there, the, the biggest conventions like Comic-Con or uh, there was a convention at the time called Fangoria, and Rob would be a special guest. He would appear as a special guest because I think he was remaking Halloween at the time. It was 2007, which went on to be the highest grossing Labor Day movie of all time and also was a, I guess, reboot or remake of my favorite horror movie of all time, John Carpenter's Halloween. And so I would see him pass. He was a rock star, but he was also like a rock star. And I was like, you know, it'd be like that moment where I'm like just trying to slap him on the hand as he as he walks by. So then to be the f- one of the, if not the first person in the world to read the script for Three from Hell. I mean, I'm sure he sent it to his like right. immediate brain trust. But I mean, that was my movie at my company. And I remember uh, it was a Friday night at 8 p.m. And I was laying in the couch on my office, literally in tears on every single page. Not because what I was reading was sad in any way, but it just felt to me like such a significant moment where, you know, I'm able to to make something with this person that meant so much to me from a distance. Just as a filmmaker, just his art inspired me in a way. And then I got to be a part of that. It was a, you know, those two movies in particular, and they were both this year. So they went into production around the same time. Rob's movie, I was on set most of the movie, I think almost every day. Wow. They shot Jay and Silent Bob in... New Orleans, and the actual two producers, uh, Liz and Jordan, are just phenomenally talented and um, were the actual onset and like all the way through production producers. But uh, I think I was there for maybe 10 days. I was there for the last 10 days. So would you say that these two movies, like that's your, that's when you finally had your moment of where you felt successful in a way? Like to, like that was like. I don't equate it to any success. I mean, there's something intrinsically valuable to me about participating in the making of those movies and the distribution of those movies, but it's not some threshold has been accomplished. And and I say me, but uh, it, it's really important to say this is not this is a team of people. I work right. at a company with other people, and we're all sort of equal parts of the process. I think those two movies in particular, I had a special connection to them, so. You're checking this. Uh, no, I was. Just <laughs> I always do a quick little glance. I'm listening. I'm able to multitask. I'm a woman. Okay. What, is that a s- gender specific <laughs> quality? <laughs> multitasking. Yeah, we're really good at multitasking. I, as a sample size of two, you're good at it, and I'm horrible. So, well, I don't have any contradictory evidence to debate you on that. That's fine. I mean, I th- yeah, you can just take my word for it. Done. So, you did those. So those movies are your favorite so far, but. I'm not even favorites. They're just I'm sharing two stories with you mm-hmm. as to why those two movies in particular hold special significance to me. And I like that as an answer, and I will accept it. Thank you. I'm going to circle back <laughs> to uh, sort of the traject- like I guess, timeline of how you got here because that's also interesting to me. Um, 
So basically, so you're not from Los Angeles. I'm from Detroit. Detroit, okay. And when I say Detroit, Detroit is a sort of catch-all for, you know, southeastern Michigan, just as Los Angeles is a catch-all for, you know, Chatsworth. Like if someone (laughs) in Michigan, you meet someone and you're from wherever you're from, Thousand Oaks, maybe you consider that Los Angeles, but it's sort of distinctly different than other aspects of Los Angeles. Detroit, I'm not saying it's the most, but it's something like that. Wow. So what was it like growing up? As Jonathan uh, <laughs> Salva. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like growing yeah. up as Jonathan Salva? Well, I mean, did you... So we t- we've talked about this before, but I want to talk about it on the podcast. Like, you didn't think... You didn't, like... You thought you were going to be a musician. I had no access to anybody who did anything even close to what my dream career would have been. I graduated in the bottom of my class in high school. I was the bottom 10%. I think I barely got a 2.0 if I did. Because you didn't care? I don't think it's that I didn't care. I don't think I had the intellectual capacity at the time with everything else going on to succeed in high school. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's like an easy excuse. Like, I wasn't challenged or motivated, but I don't think that's true. I think I probably suffered from some form of undiagnosed ADD or something. (laughs) And it was really hard for me. High school was really challenging. Mm. Um, And, you know, my, my parents were really inspiring in some ways because they had my, me and my older brother and then eventually eight years or nine years later, my younger brother. But they were, you know, married at 18, two kids at 20. Wow. And they had to work. Like my dad's jobs that I remember him working were like, you know, one of his, my earliest memories, or he fed guard dogs at a Detroit junkyard named Coco and Red. Like that, or, or a car porter. And then for 30-something years, a sheet metal worker. And he did that job specifically to provide the best possible life for me and, and, you know, my family. And my mom also worked tirelessly her entire life, never went to college um, and just worked because she had two kids that she had to raise. It's not glamorous, but it's incredibly inspiring when I think about it now. When I think about, you know, people sacrificing any sort of their own ambitions, which certainly they had their own ambitions in life that weren't just feeding kids but that's what they did and you know that has been a very 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 motivating force in my life so at the time I thought wow I have no access to anybody who can help me in any way achieve any goal of mine when in reality I had the two best people possible because they instilled that sort of work ethic and that sort of goal orientation that's been really valuable to me but anyway I was dating a girl at the time I wasn't going to go to college like, how could I get in? You were going to get married and have kids? No, she was going <laughs> to college, and she was also very inspiring. I looked up to her. She's still, to this day, the smartest person I've ever met. And, and she convinced me to go to, to, go to college. And, and I, I went to college to play baseball, but I quit very, like, two weeks after I got there. And then what college did you go to? I, I played baseball at Eastern Michigan, and then I transferred to Michigan. And she went to University of Michigan. And we ended up living together all through college. She was my high school sweetheart, but also she was my neighbor. So I fell in love with her when I was 10. And I pursued her for seven years. Seven years. And she didn't want anything to do with me for seven years. I brought her cereal every single morning in the (laughs) summer. Do you think if Instagram existed back then and you were like, hey, I see you. Look at this diatribe. I got this girl (laughs) in Los Angeles to stalk me. She's a (laughs) famous comedian. (laughs) Just based on one diatribe. And you're not even eating cereal with me? Uh, no, but she was great. We, we ended up going to Michigan together. 
And I started studying philosophy and political science. And while there, I started hosting a dorm television show. Mm. And because of some of the guests I brought on that show, I was able, and this is, I'm making a very, very, very long story, extremely short. But basically, because of uh, one of the episodes of that show, I was able to work on this, hosting this show in the UK on Channel 4. I left college early to go host that show. But then that brought you to L.A., right? I had interned in college at the company, this company, that horror movie company I was talking about. And when the show helped me a lot financially and the subsequent work I got after that show, I was able to pay off all my college debt, basically. Wow. And so that was a really valuable asset. But I ended up taking a very low job at the company I interned at uh, from when I was in college. And eventually they got bought by a bigger studio in L.A., and they moved me to Los Angeles, and I had a year contract. And if As I as a writer, no, it, it was like a film studio basically. Oh, okay. And had I quit that job within a year, I had to pay a prorated portion of my moving bonus back to the company. Oh, bummer. And I was so poor that first year that I lived with my landlord, and I could not afford my rent, and I'd have to avoid her. And like, <laughs> it's really hard to avoid someone you live with, right. who you owe money to, and. I mean, I blew through all my savings. I, I didn't have a single friend when I moved here. I was sitting in a cubicle basically sorting invoices. And when was this? 2009. 2009. So that's when you got to L.A. That's when I got to L.A. And the, the band stuff was just sort of a blip on the radar. Like that was just like something that... I was pursuing it. But then when I got the j- offer to come to Los Angeles, I knew I always wanted to be here. And so I had that calling to work in film. Do you think that was a good decision now today? Well, that assumes having access to... You know, it assumes knowing in some alternative universe what the what would have happened. I have no idea. I mean, I'm incredibly happy. Every day I wake up feeling tremendously blessed. I know. You showed me all your houses when we were driving <laughs> to get tired. I only own two houses. <laughs> it was really funny. Like, I have that house, and I was just, it was really fun. Wait a second. But can we just say something? Because when you say it like that, it makes me sound a very specific like i didn't go i have that house <laughs> i have that house no, these no, are two small it. duplexes but okay. yes i do own yeah. both of them no he he didn't do it in a like cheesy i'm a badass kind of way he was just we were talking about real estate previously and that's he was like, also not true no we were in, on the text when you blew me off last weekend by the way on my podcast can i say something yes you're totally right because i placed an off on another house <laughs> yes yeah, so we and were then I got talking. caught up in that yeah and then Today, you were like, oh, that, how, whatever. I was just trying to connect all the dots. Got it. Because I felt really bad about that. Did you? I did. Because, it t- it, guys, it took him seven days to feel bad and tell me that he felt bad. So but you know what? Here you are. So. I am here because I'm a very forgiving person. Were you pissed? Were you mad? I was a little upset because I... I wish you would have said something. I wish you would have said that's not cool. Mm, I thought about it. Like, I sat there and was just like, well... But also, as you being the guest... Like, you're doing me a favor by spending time with me so I can have this conversation. So I really took it as, you know what, if <laughs> if it's meant to be, we'll hang out you and it'll work that, out. I want to know if you think there's someone up there <laughs> maneuvering. In the universe? Yeah. I, no, maybe I, I said this. Cos- you think there's some cosmological significance to you and I sitting here? Meaning... The reason why I I have no autonomy or agency of free will. No, no, I no. Was, I, I just th- reached out, apologized, <laughs> and now we're here because it was ordained as such. Maybe. You think or that? I, th- I think that for me and where I'm at in my life, I used to be a person who tried to control everything. 
And now that I've kind of stopped doing that and I've I sort of take into account the bigger picture that people have shit going on, things happen. I mean, did I initially think like, wow, he really has no um, regard for my time? Yeah, at first I was like, this is, I'm a little irritated. But I also, we didn't have like a set thing necessarily. We're well, both. We're, we're very good friends. Yeah, we're best friends. Um, I'm going to have you watch my house. Right? Yeah, I'm going to be your house sitter. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't stalk you on the internet. You know what's a very cool quality about you that I'm actually, as I'm getting to know you, which is how can I get to know someone more I know so intimately <laughs> but what, what I'm what I'm getting to know about you you actually are, you you're very dynamic in the sense that um, you appear a certain way mm-hmm. so when I when I first met you like you're obviously very funny you're talented at what you do and you have this persona right and it's not just a persona you have on stage it's sort of like in your social media world um, but then meeting you not to say that your work isn't thoughtful but it's pretty raunchy and it seems to <laughs> lean into dating and sex um, but Raunchy. But you do, and you like w- are really like sort of uh, evaluate yourself in, in a very deep and interesting way, and you seem to always be striving to uh, on some like sort of self improvement thing, but not in a sort of uh, uh, cheesy way. It's like in a really grounded way, which I find to be pretty uh, cool. Well, thanks. It's really nice of you to say. Um, and it and it I like or I appreciate that you recognize sort of that persona or hate using the word image because it is it is very calculated some a lot of that you know i really really like professional wrestling Mm -hmm. and one of the interesting things about professional wrestling is they have this saying it's called kayfabe and kayfabe is the mythical world of professional wrestling but then stuff happens in real life that mirrors the storylines of the program and so that's called a shoot so when something really happens it's a shoot and when it happens in the scripted universe of professional wrestling it's called kayfabe and what was so interesting in pre-internet professional wrestling is nobody really knew that the matches were choreographed and the winners were predetermined. And so while the actual outcomes of the matches were kayfabe or scripted, they had to carry out those personas in real life. And so they had to pretend they were their actual characters when they met fans out in the world because otherwise people wouldn't have a rooting interest in the outcomes of the matches if they felt like they were scripted. Right. And I feel like social media for public figures is sort of like that now, where you have this sort of kayfabe or this made-up character you have on stage for the sake of entertainment, but your Instagram is this weird blurred line <laughs> where it's you, it's not you on stage, it's yeah. you as a person, but you have to sort of carry on this character, even though people like me, who is one of your best friends in the world, You are my best you. friend, yeah. And you that's uh, it's almost very sort of uh, Andy Kaufman-esque type world that comedians and performers and entertainers have to live in now constantly we do and i and i think it's it it is different for a lot of people like for me um i do have somewhat as you know a double life at the present moment because i have to maintain a a professional life outside of comedy during the day to sustain my um career or which is also crazy when you told me that that you have like some high powered (laughs) like and actually this whole this whole program is a farce you're more successful than anyone (laughs) i've heard on here only in like a problem like some maybe a monetary sense in some ways but not well what is success then well that's the question i have for you because i'm supposed to learn from you oh what do i consider success yeah like a success is is a success like an achievement of being able to you know put 
who you are on paper and like list it off like I've done this this and this is success monetary is success the things you have or is it just like a feeling well you're asking me to one assign value to in some cases things and in other cases experiences let's give an example no I know but uh, even beyond just those particular examples it's such a nuanced and individual thing like what's success for me I mean I consider myself successful I love the people I work with I love what I do I love my life I love you know I have I mean yeah in that sense I'm very successful but also when I look at myself vis-a-vis other people in my industry I mean the layers or the 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 gradients of success are infinite there are you know uh, I people often say Oh, you're successful for your age. And I'm like, really? Because I'm pretty sure I'm the same age as Mark Zuckerberg. So, like, <laughs> I mean, wh- what does that mean? <laughs> I know. Like, what does it mean to be successful for your age? Well, I, guess, I guess it is. It's it's unique to you what you feel like success is, and uh, and to make it more personal towards you, like for you when you wake up in your lovely silver. Lake okay, this is a great. Home. This is a great answer to I think. I, I shouldn't say great answer. <laughs> it's a good I- illustration of how I feel about success. The thing I am most proud of that I've ever done professionally, mm-hmm. uh, I had a writing partner, this guy, Juan Iglesias, who's perhaps, has perhaps, the most impressive brain when it comes to story, character, and writing of anyone I've ever met. We wrote some stuff together, and I was working at the Criterion Collection at the time, and we optioned a... And what's that for people that don't know? I, I just, it's very Googleable. Okay, got it. But, d- but it don't guys. go to WebMD because it'll just tell you you're going to die. Don't go to WebMD, but Google. And ask what Criterion Collection <laughs> But uh, basically, Criterion Collections is a film label that publishes really high-quality editions of the most important movies, both past and present, from around the world, uh, and often done so, when possible, in collaboration with the original filmmakers. So the movies are presented the way they were meant to be seen, mm. um, with sort of painstaking detail in the restoration process, and in the case of older movies, so, for instance, the entire Kurosawa Library, all the French New Wave movies, Bergman, etc., but also all Wes Anderson's movies are in the Criterion Collection, and David Fincher has some films in the Criterion Collection, and even Michael Bay has films in the Criterion Collection. It's sort of a just an ongoing library of films that are released both digitally and on DVD and you know whatever. So, okay. there was a French New Wave, mo- a French New Wave filmmaker, this guy Eric Romer, who is kind of like the French Woody Allen, very prolific, made up gazillion movies almost a movie a year and he was also an author so some of his films have this very literary quality and he had a series of films called six moral tales and then another series of films called comedies and proverbs and Juan and I were able to as just we were very young in the industry option the rights to one of those movies uh, write a script that we were incredibly proud of but you're not going to tell us what movie no well it never got made oh. but that's going to be the you're sp- you're you're would you say burying the lead? That's a cool term. <laughs> You're doing the opposite. You're spoiling it. Oh, sorry. Go on. Uh, Go on. Carry on. So we had to negotiate the rights to this movie with his son, who didn't speak because he's dead, who didn't speak uh, English. That was a really tough process. We had no money. We had no reason anyone would ever trust us with to be the sort of shepherds in a way of his father's film legacy. The house sitters of the... Yeah, the house sitters. <laughs> not to say that his legacy has anything to do with where we made that movie, but he had only been remade one time. Wow. And that was, uh, I believe, directed by Louis C.K. and written and starring Chris Rock. Uh, the movie they collaborated on together, I think, was a Roma remake. So no one had ever remade, besides them, uh, Roma. It's, it's actually almost sacrilegious to remake a French New Wave movie, uh, but we wanted to do it anyway. 
And so we, we got the rights to the film. We got a ton of press in doing so. Uh, we wrote a script. We were able to attach three incredible actors who all had high profiles, despite the, us never really doing anything of note. Uh, we were able to trigger financing, do all of this stuff. It was a multiple-year process, and ultimately it fell through. The movie never got made. But I put so much – we did. I, I say me, but we as a team put so much effort into trying to make that movie – and what I felt like we were able to accomplish was among the most successful things I've ever done, and it never got made. No one will ever see it. A handful of people have read it. It's not even – I look at it now, and it feels very unsophisticated to me. It felt like young people writing something yeah. for the first time, exploring themes that we didn't even fully comprehend. All that being said, that's a huge success to me, and it's ostensibly a huge failure. So, I mean, it is just a failure. We failed in the end. So it's but it's that's what success is, right? Because you have to fail to reach the top. From an <laughs> uh, idiom or adage perspective, yes. yes. Success is, you know, a series of failures or something. Whatever that Yeah, what is. are some other failures? I guess mu music wasn't a failure because that led to something else, but you didn't stay in it. Would you ever go back? Like, say, like, film died. Film, we... From moving on, robots were hired. No one was needed to do anything. Film became this thing, sort of like how our cell phones can do everything for us, right? And um, would you go back to music? I'm, I'm, I don't have the talent to be a... There's no connection there. It's not that there's no connection. I would love to be that. I'm, I'm just not talented enough to be successful in the long run. It was a, We did record an album. We did have... I mean, we had no success, but we were able to license our music to you know tv shows and mm -hmm. we were able to we played with peter frampton we toured a little bit like yeah. we were able to do fun cool things but i was not i'm not skilled enough of a musician to ever really succeed beyond that the guys i played with all, all some of them still play in bands oh, wow. in detroit and they're you know really dedicated and talented musicians but that just wasn't my that wasn't i don't have that skill or ability unfortunately but it's still really fun so this is where you're supposed to be right now I have, I mean, I, you on know, my I, podcast, I was, yeah, <laughs> this is success, making it to the, my more successful friends podcast from a relative perspective, then yes, this is success. I was meant to go to law school. I, in fact, I was going to, um, oh, when I was you, in when the application process for law school and then the TV show happened. And then, you know, to my parents chagrin, I opted not to do, my parents had no idea the first time I went to London, they had never been on a plane themselves. And oh, I wow. called my mom and I'm like, I can't tell you anything, but I'm going to London in a couple of days and I need you to put all the money you can in my account and I promise you I'll pay you back. And she's like, okay. And then wow. I checked my bank account. And at the time, there was no like phone. Like I had to yeah. go to an ATM to check my <laughs> bank account and she put $40 in my account. <laughs> I was like, I mean, it was very sweet. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm not scoffing at my mom's generous contribution to my <laughs> future <laughs> and life. And That was her investment. Well, it paid off. I remember... <laughs> I mean, of course, she gave me more than that over my life. And, and my parents, despite not being wealthy to the standards of L.A. people, they always provided in a wonderful right, way. Right, you always had everything you needed. No, definitely not. I, de I, got, <laughs> I definitely, one year for my birthday, got a picture of a bicycle. And my mom's <laughs> like, we're going to save. And another year, I got a bowling ball oh that didn't have holes in it. And I'm like, why isn't there holes? And the excuse she gave me was that they couldn't afford it. I'm like, the bowling ball is more than the holes. I actually think they do the holes for free. <laughs> I still at my parents' garage to this day. There's a bowling ball without holes in it that That's belongs to me. That's amazing. Well, now you should go get it and go get the holes. Do you bowl at all? I don't. You don't care. Zero interest. 
Wait, you don't care if no, I bowl? You, no, you don't care. Do I care about bowling? <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that the real question? Yeah. The answer, no, I do not care about <laughs> bowling, but I do, <laughs> I, do, I do like to go bowling on occasion, and by occasion I mean maybe annually. Okay, so you should go get the bowling ball for us. Well, y- now, I know you probably can't tell, and certainly the listeners at home can't tell, but I've amassed so much strength in the, <laughs> the 30 or 20 years. In you don't need the holes? No, I need a heavier ball. Oh, a heavier ball. Why would strength? Oh, <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> so I'm gonna like, yeah, just grab it. Drill like into the ball with my. That's how I bowl. I just like take it with one hand. I'm gonna venture a guess, and this is a pure conjecture. I would bet you're not a very good bowler. Wow, I am amazing at bowling. Sometimes. <laughs> that feels oxymoronic. But what do you? You can't be amazing at something sometimes. That means you're not amazing. <laughs> Okay, once in a while, I get a turkey. You mean th- three strikes in a row? Yeah. And what are the, uh, is it surrounded by gutters? or <laughs> Like, what's an average score? No, I actually, I actually am pretty decent at bowling. What is an average score of bowling for you? Like, 900. That's uh, over how many games? <laughs> I know, lifetime? it's not, it's not oh, real, average. it's not real. Um, no, I would say like one, 160, 180. That's not the best. I, I would but be willing to go right now bowling with you. Okay. I do not think a 180 is your average. You realize that's like professional grade almost. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying shit. But like I can bowl. Like I can I can look at the arrows and be like, oh, this is how you set it up. However, I have a faulty wrist. So my wrist always curves. So sometimes it does end up in the gutter. So you, let me, <laughs> so let's re- rephrase this. You're good at bowling, asterisks. <laughs> you're actually horrible, but if your wrist <laughs> works properly, because you, you can envision the ball hitting the yes. pins in a like successful manner. Sometimes I'm really good, and sometimes I'm really bad. Okay, so you're not, that. that's not amazing by definition. I'm not awful. Sometimes you are. But you said, like, across the board, like, you're not good. I don't think you're a good bowler. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think you're worse than when I s- when you started t- talk, talking to me about bowling. And now I progressively like my skill just went down just by explaining. This, it's actually you have such <laughs> funny timing because I said you said I'm a really amazing bowler. And I'm like really? What does that mean? You're like I got a turkey once. What's your average? Nine hundred. I don't know if you're just really funny or you're you're just you're sh- like a really crazy liar <laughs> or both. I think I'm really funny. I just make jokes um well we're nearing the end went by fast huh yeah how, how long has it been we made it past the 45 minute mark you told me that one was so great it went an hour and a half oh we can keep going no i, I was just saying that we're almost at an hour i'm gonna judge myself i i think i've given you nothing of no and certainly no evidence of well we still success. didn't fully say how we met and okay. how we became best friends um okay go ahead so this is what happened so Somehow I saw you because of our mutual friend. She won't say names because I don't want to put her on blast, but um, a friend that I've had for years since like I was in. This is somebody I know. Yeah. So oh, you told me. I yeah, yeah. I told you at breakfast, and then I clicked on your name, and I added you. I guess I thought I saw the picture first, and that's why I followed you. But I guess you're saying that you were private. Totally, definitely. A hundred percent. 100%. 100% always private. 100%. Okay. I mean, knowing you now, I can, uh, we'll say that's true. We'll just be like, okay. okay. So but it is actually true also. Yeah. So you <laughs> you allowed me to follow you. <laughs> you You're accepted welcome. my follow request. I never got a thank you. But <laughs> thank you so much. Officially. And, and I followed you back. You followed me back. Um, and then you probably regretted it immediately. But now you can mute people. So I'm sure I'm muted. It's fine. I get it. I know my Instagram's annoying. Um, 
I don't think that's I don't really quickly I don't think your Instagram's gonna oh, okay. well I think it's funny I like when you post like when you're doing shows oh. sometimes <laughs> I can tell you use this you use this word earlier I'm not gonna say it you know that word we use which word remember you were saying that people are it's a metaphor of so sorts for wanting attention oh yes what's that word oh my gosh um thirsty thirsty yeah, exactly <laughs> I know it's not because you're a comedian and you it seems like you have a male following yeah it's very heavy you have a heavy male following who mm -hmm. finds your probably raunch and your willingness to talk openly and graphically about sexual encounters. It's not graphic. Really? <laughs> no. Oh, maybe I listen to something else. I think you. I think you saw one thing, maybe. It's graphic. Is it? The no. way you talk about sex sometimes is is crude and graphic. To you in person. No, on your comedy. Maybe. Okay, go on. But also, you know, you post things that are, are clearly meant to attract and allure. Yeah, it's all it's all ploy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, what's not fun to look at that? That's a great thing to have on your Instagram feed. Yeah. So anyway, I muted you, and then. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Um. Okay. So then you followed me back, and then I s read some long post. It was like a picture you were at a restaurant or something. I think you were at. Not maybe Stella. I don't know. You were somewhere. And I commented on it, and I, <laughs> I said something very flirtatious. <laughs> I'm gonna look this up because <laughs> I think I know the post. You're yeah, about. I said something really flirtatious. Also, what did you say? I don't know. You have to find it because I think if we're going on the timeline, I think this was two years ago actually. Because I'm I think I'm it was. Find it right now. I think it was before. So I have a year and a half of sobriety this Thursday. Congratulations. So thank you. That's so amazing. That's December 19th because this is not going to air probably before December 19th. But um, so when I first met your acquaintance on the interwebs, I think it was. Wait, who's my acquaintance? No, no, you. Oh, when you I met this you. is it. This is 66 weeks ago. What was the oh what was the date of my comment? The date was. Because I think it was before I got sober. I wow. think it was when I was like. Okay, this is actually really creepy. <laughs> I posted this a hundred and six weeks ago. Yeah, but you don't post a lot of pictures. Sixty-six weeks you ago. You don't post a lot of. You have like eight nearly things. a year you later. <laughs> you have like eight things on your also Instagram. I'm, there's a something. Okay, you said Mary dot 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 <laughs> dot 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 space me laughing very loudly emoji. <laughs> Because of what you wrote, though, right? So now you have to read the whole thing. You know, I took this down because I felt like some people could find it offensive, and I, 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 I didn't want to be insensitive. So mm -hmm. I actually did remove it. See, Oh, you archived it. I archived it. Yeah. For me, there's very little to gain about posting anything that's even semi-controversial. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't want to be offensive in any way. For Same. you, you know... It's I try okay. Not, I'm not offensive. No, but I'm saying it's okay if you offend somebody. Yeah. Society needs yeah. uh, provocateurs, if you will, and comedians seem to be best suited to do that nowadays. And for me, I just there's no reason for me to be posting. I'm okay, like but you wrote some long diatribe, and I liked it, and that was the only reason why I wrote that. But this is the photo. Yeah, but what was the date though? I just said 106. No, weeks but ago. I need like a. I don't. Can't do that math. That's a. Uh, that's. Two years ago, nearly two okay, years ago. Okay, so I probably was drunk when I when I commented. Oh, it's just it's over two years ago. But you posted sixty six weeks ago, so, so a year later. I posted this, and a year later, I get a notification <laughs> from somebody I don't know who just started following me, 
proposing to me <laughs> over what I deemed to be so inoffensive <laughs> that I had to take it off my Instagram. And I thought it was hilarious. So that's what kind of personality I have. Um, this is, I could read this, but you couldn't read the first two lines. It's, a, it's very crass and sexual. There's no reason for me to talk about this on a podcast. Okay, well, anyways. And I then you liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine anything being better to listen to on a podcast than the people looking at their own Instagram. I know, we were, okay, so. Instagram has become so pervasive that we, even on a podcast, we're talking I know, it's thing. awful. So 66 weeks ago, I, I found you <laughs> <laughs> and tr- and was like, I need this person on my podcast. So I did whatever that I could. That didn't exist yet. No, it, the idea existed. Got it. It just hadn't come to fruition until... At like the time, it was just my friends who have posted <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> it was a beta. It was this yeah, it was in the beta phase. This podcast 1.0. <laughs> you finally got a conceit that was a little more riveting for the you. Ti- no, the title of this concept has existed since 2015. I know, but as you get more successful, you're going to have to change it. No, because I'm never going to have people on that are like... Less successful than me, but you realize this is just an—it's just sort of an appetizer (laughs) into the idea. This whole thing is really about you, and you want to be talking. And it's good—you're funny, you're a comedian, and Mm -hmm. you have—I've listened to the podcast. You sent me a lot of, and everyone I listened to that you interviewed were really interesting and Mm. successful. But it really is your thing, right? It's like your voice, and it's just fun fodder for you to play with. Well, yeah, because then I want people to tell me what I'm doing wrong because I'm a masochist, so. But you also, that's so funny because <laughs> you said you needed constant validation. Like you were so offended when I said you couldn't, you couldn't watch my house. When I, <laughs> I really was. Yeah, because I, I felt yeah. already like I, you trust me. I felt like I, you I like, can I have you on the list? I'm like, you can't even do it. Not only are you not on the list, like you're specifically on the other list. Like I have to be supervised while I'm in your home. Okay. So you, you post, let's just finish that thought because that's the one thing that we have to justify about the whole yeah, podcast. So I, d- so I commented and then. Yeah, w- that was you flirting with me. That's what you're talking. Yeah, about. I was flirting, but that's how I get people to be on the podcast. I flirt with them, guy or girl, doesn't matter. Before the podcast existed, you decided to <laughs> flirt with people <laughs> randomly. So the in, in the event that you came up with a co- podcast, I would fall into the. Okay, you got me. I was gonna say I was probably drunk when I did it, but I'm. I think now if it w- that was a year ago. Which is three p.m. <laughs> th- hey, you did not know what kind of drinker I was. There was no it did, yeah, there was. N- it didn't matter what time it was. Like, I just needed to be drinking all the time. Um, That's I'm sorry you had to experience that. No, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Until really? Until it stopped being fun, yeah. Oh, well, then I'm glad you <laughs> had that experience. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a time when people have to grow up, and, like, we all have certain things that we need to work on, and that was something for me that um, had I not chosen to make that change, I don't think I would be able to even – sit here and have these types of conversations with my friends and learn about them and learn about sort of, you know, their journey into success. And as a person who grew up in and around Los Angeles, it is fun for me because I spent my childhood, like, being obsessed with Hollywood and glamour and sort of the idea of of success and, like, being well-known and amazing in your craft and so now it's almost like the five-year-old kid in me gets to sit here and like hang out and be like, wow, I have really successful people in my life or around me or that I get to observe. And it's cool to be able to share space with them and talk to them. 
And so that's really what this is all about. But yeah, had I not, and this comes up in the podcast a lot because people do ask about it, like had I not um, chosen to get sober, I don't think people would trust me or just in general. Like I think that I'm more focused and more present because of it now. So it's, um, <laughs> it's a gift to be able to do this. Wow. Well, and then Cheesy. Um, Definitely going to cut that one out. You know, I think what you're describing is a very, very successful <laughs> state of being. It's just fun. It's fun. But yeah, so we, I I'm saw successful at being around successful people, but yeah. you're also very successful. Yeah. And you grab and people are grab people gravitate towards you. You attract people into your life. And the fact that you've had the strength to make that huge change in your life. Because the weird thing is people get sober a lot. Like I know people who have struggled with various substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And it's such a common thing in Los Angeles that we lose track of just how hard that is for people. And what yeah. huge life overhauls. And how it is almost superhuman to to get sober. It Because it is, you know... It's just a really miraculous thing, and I have so much respect for you for being able to do that. And you see a lot of people aren't that fortunate or that, you know, who are able to do that. And I think especially in the industry or line of work that we are in, because we have to be around people all the time, and we have to, it's it's very normal, it's a very normal part of society um, to be entertaining and, and drink and go out for a drink. Everything is, let's, we'll, we'll do it over a drink or... You know, um, everything is centered in this town around um, rosé. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like that was your drink of choice for a short time. It was actually mezcal. I got really into mezcal towards the end, um, and then I got really into mezcal, and then it was like, okay, we're done. Mezcal seems dangerous, so I've never really had it. <sighs> it's amazing. It's it's one of those things where. It's sort of like when you taste alcohol for the first time as a kid, most kids are like, oh, it's gross, right? And that's sort of what Moscow is like. But then you keep having it, and then you're like, oh, wow, like I really like this. Like I can't wait to have it again. And I think that's what Moscow is for a lot of people. Well, just that one little bit gives an interesting uh, window into what that sort of addiction is like. Yeah. I mean, I... Now I get addicted to other things. Like, what are you addicted to now? Now I'm addicted to coffee, 100%. Me too, I am too. Right? It's like if you, for me, I don't know if this happens to you, but like if I don't, if I go throughout the day and I'm really busy and it's one o'clock and I haven't had a coffee yet and I'm kind of cranky. And that I never happens to me. Where you don't allow yourself to go without. I mean, the first thing I do when I wake up is I put a pot Fair. of coffee on. I usually do, but there are days where I'm in a rush or I have somewhere to be and um, sometimes when I'm going to work, I just, I, maybe I chose an extra 20 minutes of sleep and I'm like, oh, I can't even be bothered. Um, but so coffee is an addiction, but fairly harmless one. It's harmless. It doesn't um, alter your behavior to a degree where you become no. danger to yourself or others. No, probably giving me more coffee than I become more pleasant. <laughs> but Noted. What, yeah. are, what are the other addictions? Um, I would say I, and and these are short ones because it's not something that is like I like sustain, but I'll find myself uh, getting obsessed with um, furniture and shopping. I should have enlisted your help as my great friend to furnish this place. Yeah, because I love I'm a I have like an, a deep deep obsession with it. Maybe and if you can I help have me find a rug. 
I would love to help you find a rug because I'm trying to find another one too. Okay. So we'll do that. It's a date. All right. So, anyways, um, I actually think this was really fun. <laughs> oh, great. Why do you say actually? That was a <laughs> counter to what your uh, anticipation was. No, my anticipation was always that it was going to be great. You were the one that was like, I don't know, I might be kind of boring. And it ended up being good. Well, it's only because I've heard your other guests and they were all very compelling. And I was fascinated by their career trajectories and their lives. And, you know, I work in a much more boring part of the business. So Yeah, but you get to hang out with cool people. So essentially that makes you cool. Including podcast hosts. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I saw I'm glad I stopped you on Instagram and that you eventually replied. <laughs> it guys, it only took like eighty probably he was right, like unseen messages. Because you don't check your messages. Well, I check them sometimes. I think you replied to me a few times for a while and then I think we have to note though, and again I, I know you're trying to end this, but I it should no, be okay. said again. Uh huh. When you don't know somebody, <laughs> and I, I didn't know you were a comedian, and I didn't know your sense of humor, <laughs> if I were to re-read those through the lens of what I see now and know now, they seem very normal and in character. Right. But when you were a stranger, <laughs> and you were texting me, or DMing me, things like, hey, I'm not crazy, we know this mutual person, I really think you should be on my podcast, and I didn't have any idea who you were, that was... A little bizarre. Probably starting the sentence off with I'm not crazy was not my best move. Yeah. Um, I'm not crazy, but I'm staring at you from across the street. <laughs> it's usually, I mean, it's really funny now that I know you. I know. But at the time, it was not funny. That's Maybe that's when I went private. <laughs> I was maybe. Like, maybe you were like, oh, shit, I need to not. But see, the internet, it's just Instagram. So I feel like people are just talking to people they don't know all the time. And for me, I don't really, I don't take it so seriously and so personal but you have a instagram following i just have friends and family true and then you let one unfriend in <laughs> <laughs> one it's like a horror movie that's like an now instagram that's horror pitch. movie that's there we go yeah that's your first good pitch is it you let the one person in <laughs> that one friend you, you unfriend and how did i make it into your home it only took me two years or a year and a half or something yeah that's pretty impressive yeah, I want to say it was 2018 or end of 2017. It was 66 weeks ago that you wrote Marry Me on an Instagram <laughs> post with six dots. Which makes me sound insane. But six dots, two spaces, and a smiley face emoji from okay, a random stranger. But he wouldn't read what the post said. But if you guys read the post and saw the picture, my comment is not weird at all, even though I was a complete stranger. <laughs> You're saying because it, you were so attracted to me based on that post. I was attracted to the post. <laughs> well, it was a picture. <laughs> I know, but I liked what you wrote. Got it. So you, you wanted to marry the words. <laughs> Understood. Every person that listens to this is going to be so confused, um, but it's fine. It's okay. I like sometimes letting people wonder. Um, that seems to be a good experience to give your audience. <laughs> yeah, just... I want people to finish listening to the episode and be like, what the fuck did I just listen to? I think to? it would be a miracle if anyone has made it to this point. <laughs> I, I would be shocked. I don't know if you have statistics on that, but... I'm sure I can check. If there's one person listening right now, marry me. <laughs> and I can tell you his address because I now have it, so... Yeah, I don't have to move. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm just kidding. 
All right. Well, I mean, now's the time if you want to give me. Everyone get is allowed to tell me what I'm doing wrong, but I think you already kind of did. Did wrong? Doing wrong? <laughs> in, in life, how I can be more successful. I actually, that's where I disagree. I think I, I look, I I look up to you. I think you are incredibly successful. That mm. breakfast we had, you told me your like day job. You told me about your comedy shows coming up. How your name sounds like a really famous comedian's name. <laughs> I thought was pretty cool. Uh, that might need some context. You're all, there's another famous comedian. There's here. another comedian with my name, yeah, and her name's in lights sometimes. Yeah, but I, I mean, you are super successful. You have made really tough choices in your life. You've put yourself on a trajectory for more sustained success, and that's pretty cool. So I would definitely say like change up your Instagram game because it's horrible, <laughs> but not your game to your community of followers, uh-huh. just your outreach to. My outreach? What do you mean? Like you're DMing and you're... Oh, don't DM and, and say weird things. Actually, now that you're not drinking, maybe the DMing <laughs> isn't so bad. Don't mescal and DM. That's yeah, I don't, I don't really... Probably should have a breathalyzer. Like you shouldn't be able to text if you don't... That's so true. Like I, f- my DMing was a lot of control for a time, I will say, because I got really bored. But what? So you really want advice? And I would say get rid of your gallbladder. Get rid Oh, Perfect. Well, I already have a date, I think, in mind. It's going to be in spring. Well, then, well, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for the dinner. Um, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I guess you're pretty private, so we won't share your Instagram. <laughs> well, you can share it because I'm private. Oh, right. I don't think, well, yeah, it's just my name. It's but just your but name. But you're not going to get on. Well, I mean, I'm going to tag you when I post this. You post this online? I put it on my Instagram saying that I have a new episode. How many followers do you have? On my podcast? No, on your on your Instagram. On my Instagram, like twenty two hundred. Oh god. Not many. That feels like a lot. Not for a comedian. What's the goal? I think like you want to be at least ten thousand usually. Well, that's why I'd say you need to do better and get more Instagram followers. Okay, I'm working on it. Hopefully, this episode will <laughs> help. <laughs> I'll repost it, and you will get. It. Yeah, you'll repost it to your personal friends, and then hopefully they won't be private, and then they'll repost it, and then I'll get all their followers. That's really good. And great. that's how it'll. I think this all. is a total of like eighty followers in the aggregate that, <laughs> <laughs> that you could Maybe. probably get. And I think I now have like. 201 people that listen to the podcast i will definitely listen to this episode okay well you should because you told me that you have to listen to it first <laughs> that's true <laughs> we're opposed assuming yeah. anyone hears this i will have already heard yeah. it <laughs> all right well that's all for us um thanks for coming and uh jonathan saba on instagram do you have twitter no no all right and it's jonathan with an a at the end not an o Oh, yeah, Jonathan with an A. Yeah. Why are there two spellings? I don't know. And sometimes the H is invisible. Like, my <laughs> name is J- J-O-N. There's no H. <laughs> I'm like, how do you spell your name? I say J-O-N. And they're like, oh, is the H silent? And it's like, no, there is no H. <laughs> it's invisible. I see. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. And right. Saba. Okay. But no dot in the middle. There's nothing going on on my Instagram, so there's no reason to go there or follow me. Except for his long diatribe posts, if you want to go 140 weeks back. <laughs> If you find your way into my archives, you will find it. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.